fasten your seatbelt. I am taking you for the ride of your life. I'm going to show you what this car can really do. Are you ready? I am ready. Hang on. Okay. Here we go. Hold on to your butts. Look at him, kid. To infinity and beyond! It might be a tumor. It's not a tumor. It's not a tumor at all. So you can go ahead and ask me what you're going to ask me, and my natural response could be to get offended. So fine, let's talk about it. Any thoughts of, of your own on this matter? But you, is that your thing? You come into a bar, you read some obscure passage, and then pretend you, you pawn it off as your own idea just to impress some girls? Just another American who saw too many movies as a child. Yeah, well, you know, that's just like uh, your opinion, man. All right, all right, all right. You're listening to the 30-something movie podcast. One movie each week, 30 years in the making. When I wake up, well, I know I'm gonna be, I'm gonna be the man who wakes up next to you. When I go out, yeah, I know I'm gonna be, I'm gonna be the man who goes along with you. If I get drunk, well, I know I'm gonna be, I'm gonna be the man who gets drunk next to you. If I podcast, then I know I'm gonna be, I'm gonna be the guy who podcasts with Bo and Pat. Bo and Pat, how are you doing? Doing well, John, how are you? Doing good. I, I like I like to be the guy that you podcast with. That's fun times. <laughs> Would you walk 500 miles? I would walk 500 miles and then oh. 500 more. Oh, just to be the man who walked a thousand miles to be on the podcast with us. I, I would walk a thousand miles just to fall down at your door. Oh, I'm so excited about that, Pat. That, that makes me feel special. Good time. All right, everybody. This is the 30 something movie podcast. We we're not walking anywhere right now, but we'll, we'll be here for the next hour or so. And this time around is episode number 456, Benny and June from 1993. And uh, we're looking forward to this one. This is uh, this is a fun one. I kind of got introduced to this one through my at the time girlfriend, now wife. I don't think I had seen this movie before watching it with her. And I know she really enjoyed this movie. And it's still, I think, one of her favorites. So that is, that is kind of how I got introduced to this one back in the day, and I've watched it several times since then. So I was kind of exci- kind of excited when we got to '93, and I knew this one was going to be, was going to be coming up. So looking forward to this one. All right, very very quickly, we spoil the movies we talk about, so we just kind of talk freely here. If you hear us start to talk about a movie that you don't want to hear anything about, maybe just skip ahead ten seconds or so. And then visit our website, 30podcast.com, where you can leave a rating, leave a voicemail. You could become a co-executive producer with us via Patreon. We have all kinds of different levels where you can support us there. Financial support for the show goes back into helping us cover just the hosting costs and and things like that. There's not a, a huge, huge cost to doing the show, but we do... You know, definitely over time we want to be making things better and, and all that, and there is a little bit of a cost that comes with that. So if you are enjoying the show and you want some bonus material, because we got some bonus stuff over there too, or some bonus benefits that you can get, you can head over there to 30podcast.com, and there's a little donate tab on our website, and you can join us on Patreon and get those bonus episodes as well. We do about three a month, a couple of short ones and a, a full-length episode. 
So we got that over there. Let's see. I'm trying to think if there's anything else that we need to do before we jump into talking about Benny and June. I just got, I was, I was talking to Bo before we started recording. I just got back from a work trip in New Orleans. That was kind of fun. I became a vampire. I, I don't know if I shared that I, with you guys. We saw, I saw the, we saw the pictures and all that. John, how was the trip? Was it just a great time? It was fine. I had a hard time getting up the next morning and then being out in the sunlight. So it was really tough. Other, okay. Other than that, it was fine. Actually, there were, there were a few kind of little crazy moments. I think the work, the coworker that I went with might've been a little freaked out by the vampire cafe. And the fact that I, when I purchased my adult beverage, it was, which I did so with my own money, not with the, uh, the work credit card. It, <laughs> it came in a blood bag. Super excited mm-hmm. about that. So happy. He was very much freaked out. What did you purchase? It was some type of vodka. They had colored it red. <laughs> some type of vodka. Yeah, I wasn't paying that much attention. I was just excited that it came in a blood bag. Fair enough. Yeah. I, I get the excitement of that. I also understand your coworkers' uh, hesitance to accept the weird. Like mm-hmm. I'm there. Yeah. You know? And and to quote Fight Club as Jack's complete lack of excitement was <laughs> my lovely wife when she found out that I got to bring the blood bag home as a souvenir. Oh boy. <laughs> so now the next time I, I love I go, that uh, you did that. It, oh, yeah. it makes me happy. The next time I go decide to purchase any Hawaiian punch or something like that, I, I have something to put it in. <laughs> So I am I am super super excited about that. The other adventures semi related in New Orleans. Obviously, there was a there was a work conference there, so the conference was very good. Learned many things and and got to see all kinds of fun stuff. But in terms of getting to like walk around the city and and things like that, I actually saw some people who were quote unquote vampires. Sure, because okay. they, they they dressed the part like they had the the very long hair they had filed their canine teeth down to be very pointed so they were of the vampire subculture so that was you know not something i tend to see walking around downtown chicago no mm-hmm. plenty of weird there but not right. that kind right so so anyway i saw some interesting yeah. stuff yeah we had a, had a tornado warning one night so that was i, I spent a good 45 minutes reading a, a book on my kindle in the bathroom in my hotel room so <laughs> other than that things were good gotta keep you guessing that's true that's true well and then later that morning at like 3 45 4 o'clock in the morning after all that had happened the fire alarm for the or the emergency alarm for the entire hotel goes off and it, they're like evacuate the building evacuate the building like, all right great so Scores of people are going down the stairs. I was on the 13th floor, which I found a little strange because I thought hotels didn't do 13th floors because they're superstitious. Oh, buddy, in New Orleans, it's fair game. I figured that's in probably New Orleans, the they why. charge a premium for that floor. I probably paid more for being on the 13th floor. <laughs> I, indeed, mm-hmm. I bet you did. I paid for the privilege. And so we get all the way down to the ground floor, and the guy at the front desk is like, oh, sorry, it's false alarm. You can go back up to your rooms. There were some That's awesome. grumpy, grouchy people waiting for the elevators. You think? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah, there were a lot of people that was, the elevator was like, there is no Dana, there is only Zool kind of a vibe going on. Well, yeah, after walking <laughs> out, and were you not on the top floor of the hotel, I'm guessing? No, no, there was there was quite a bit more than the 13th floor. So, yeah, anyone who came down anywhere higher than 13, I'm sorry. I'm not an athletic man. Right. 13 floors sounds like a long walk. 
Mm-hmm. That's where you almost that's where you almost just like let it go and just like say, we just gotta do an inspection, you know, just make people stand out just for 20 minutes. Right. And just to you know what I'm saying. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Just just play that one down. You know? And you know, if if you walked all the way from let's say like the 20th floor or whatever the top one was, you know how far you would have walked? That's about how far you would have and walked. There's the, and, and there's the transition. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, Why, folks? Because he's a master. Yes. He is a master podcaster. Yes. Careful, how you, say, careful how you say that. <laughs> oh, watch, I was. Watch out now. <laughs> watch out now. Watch yourself. <laughs> Better check yourself before you wreck yourself. Uh, All right. That's from another movie. Mm-hmm. That's next week. That's, yes. That is true. And that is that seemed early on for that phrase. I don't feel like I heard that phrase until even right? just like a few years ago. Wait a minute, time out. The movie that we that talked about last week? week? The the last the, week. That the, movie coming up from last week, yes. Yeah, the one coming up from last week. Searching for Bobby Fisher, because Lawrence Fishburne yeah. says that. Yeah, yeah, let me let me be embarrassed about that. How long it took me to figure out who it was. He was so young, I was like, God, who mm. is that? Oh, yeah. Ugh. I was obviously not in my right mind. It was it was Event Horizon vibes of Lawrence Fishburne. Right? This chessboard is a tomb. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, so we're here for Benny and June. I don't think we got anything else, so we can just go ahead and jump right on in here. There are, as I go through, if you were with us last week for Searching for Bobby Fischer, you're going to notice that there are actually several cast members that bridge these two movies. I believe William H. Macy and Dan Hedaya. I think Hedaya, is that how you say it? Hedaya. They both were in in Searching for Bobby Fischer, and they're in this movie as well. So a lot of of crossover. Yeah, I thought that was odd. I was like, these two movies... Are not very different. Yeah, not even in the same on the same shelf at the blockbuster, but right. Searching for Benny. That's a different movie. We could have just mixed the two. Could have been a chess movie about mental illness. It could have been Searching for Benny in June. Mm. Yeah. All right. Well, this one is called Benny in June. It came out on the twenty third of April, nineteen ninety three. It was rated PG with a runtime of one hour and thirty eight minutes. Directed by Jeremiah S. Chechik. He did National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation and Gossip Girl. I can't see the line, can you, Ross? Writers, no, you can't, Dad. Writers for this one were Barry Berman, who did the story and screenplay, and Leslie McNeil, who did the story. Berman did Waterproof and The King's Daughter. McNeil, this is the only writing credit. Producers were Susan Arnold and Donna Roth. Arnold did Gross Point Blank and Drill Bit Taylor. Roth did Gross Point Blank and 13 Going On 30. Music was done by Rachel Portman, who did Chocolat and The Legend of Bagger Vance. Cinematography was done by John Schwartzman, who did Seabiscuit and Pearl Harbor. Editor was Carol Littleton, who edited E.T. and Body Heat. One thing I wanted to comment on real quick, which I thought was kind of interesting, this, I feel like this is one of the first movies, and, and maybe I'm, I'm wrong about this, I'm just kind of basing this off of recent memory. This seems like one of the first movies where a majority of the at least the the crew that we've listed so far director writers producers music cinematography and editor a majority of them are female hmm. 
you know, cool. you have you have two female producers, you have a female writer, female music composer, you have a female editor. So I thought it was I thought it was interesting that it, that's not quite you don't see that quite as much in the 80s and 90s movies that we've done up to this point. Not to say yeah, it doesn't happen. It just, it, it just seems few and far between. Indeed. That's Budget for this one, not sure. Box office was $30 million. Flick Metrics, which combines Rotten Tomatoes, IMDb, and Letterboxd scores, gives this one an average of 64%. And Cinema Score, folks that saw the movie and then were surveyed as they were leaving, gave this one an A. Starring Johnny Depp as Sam. He was in A Nightmare on Elm Street and Pirates of the Caribbean. And he might possibly be the worst pirate you've ever seen. Mary Stuart Masterson mm-hmm. played June Pearl, or Juniper Pearl was her full name. She was in Some Kind of Wonderful and Fried Green Tomatoes. Aiden Quinn was Benny Pearl. He was in Legends of the Fall and the TV series Elementary. Julianne Moore mm-hmm. was Ruthie. She was in Boogie Nights and Far From Heaven. Oliver Platt was Eric. He was in Bicentennial Man and The Three Musketeers. CCH Pounder played Dr. Garvey. She was in The Shield and Avatar. Dan Hedaya mm-hmm. was Thomas. He was in The Usual Suspects and Mulholland Drive. And William H. Macy played Randy Birch. He was in Fargo and Seabiscuit. All right. So I got a little trivia for us. Got a synopsis for us. I'll play the trailer, and then we'll jump on into some major moments before we get into our deep, deep thoughts on this movie. One that we thought was kind of interesting, I was talking with my wife about this because she really enjoys this movie. Do you know who was originally set to play June but dropped out of this movie because of a change in relationship status? Yes, Winona Ryder. Yes. Oh. We agreed that that might have made a very different tone of movie. I would think, mm-hmm. right? Like. Yeah. So, yes, she was, was she was all set to play June because she was dating Johnny Depp at the time. And then when the she and Johnny mm-hmm. Depp broke up, then she decided to leave the project. So she would have been the character of June. Okay. Interesting. But the the relationship went sour, and so she stepped out. A couple of other ones, some first choices for the leads. Some of these would have also been very different. Some other first choices for the leads were Tom Hanks and Julia Roberts. Okay. Tim Robbins and Susan Sarandon. And then let's see, eventually, oh, here's where they said the studio had kind of their dream casting in place. Johnny Depp, Woody Harrelson, and Laura Dern. Okay. Huh. Okay. And apparently they they actually had that kind of ready to go. Like I, I think Woody Harrelson would have played Benny, Laura Dern would have played in June, and I guess Laura Dern, who had just recently been nominated for an Oscar, when she found out that she would get third billing, even though she was an Oscar nominee, she quit the movie. And then Harrelson, after she dropped out, Woody Harrelson was like, okay, well, I, I think I'm out of this too. And when he dropped out of that, he picked up Indecent Proposal, which we'll probably talk about later this year. Let's see, some more trivia for this one. Sam emulates Buster Keaton and Charlie Chaplin, oftentimes in the movie. That sequence where he makes a pair of breadsticks dance comes from another silent film star, Fatty Arbuckle, who performed that original role dance in a movie called The Rough House from 1917. And then during the diner scene with June and Sam, June refers to raisins as humiliated grapes. Apparently, and I I was going to go back and try to find this, but I ran out of time. Johnny Depp apparently used this reference in Pirates of the Caribbean, Curse of the Black Pearl, 
during an extended and deleted scene where Jack Sparrow's captured in the caves. He claims parlay, and then he explains that the word was invented by the French, and apparently he uses a, you know, somehow fits in the phrase humiliated grapes. That's fun. So I have to go back and find that at some point. All right. The synopsis for this one, in in the style of one of our all-time favorites, Don LaFontaine, sparks fly when a quirky, free-spirited dreamer meets and begins to fall for a young woman plagued by hallucinations and schizophrenia. And her overprotective brother is not thrilled. But when their unconventional relationship is put to the test, they must find a way to save each other and their love. Get ready to laugh cry, and fall in love with Benny and June, a tale of love that defies all odds. What's she going to do? She paints and she reads. Yeah, she paints, she reads. She lights things on fire. I got a fire extinguisher. Just bring her. Come on, play cards. Soft on the rope, slightly used. You take my cousin off my hands. Wait, wait, wait. I lost... What's in the pot? A cousin. I am not taking this guy home. Did you see those those raisins on TV? The ones that sing and dance and stuff? They scare me. Yeah, me too. I get so lost. it all. I'm her brother. And I'm her only family. So major moments for this one. We've got about eight major moments. This is where we kind of just walk through the plot of the movie just to kind of give a sense of what happened, but just kind of cover that real quickly. So if you haven't seen it or haven't seen it lately, this will just give you a quick idea of what happens. So major moment number one, I'm calling it Paint Us a Picture. And this is where we start the opening credits. We see that we, we find out in a bit that it is June, that she is a painter. She's very creative and does a lot of painting, And but we, we also... We don't get a sense quite yet. I mean, things seem very peaceful. We have some peaceful scenes of a train coming into town and and June doing her painting. And then we kind of get pretty quickly in, once we get into the movie, we get introduced quickly to Benny, who is a mechanic and seems to be a, a fairly kind-hearted, good-natured mechanic. 
who is is going to give everybody a good deal, especially if you're an attractive young lady. He may give you a good deal on an engine, or as, as his buddy Eric points out, probably too good of a deal. Which, by the way, we I know this is leaning more on the opinion stuff, and, and we're not jumping there quite yet, but I feel like I need to repeat this every time we have a movie where he shows up in it. I really, really enjoy Oliver Platt as an actor. Yeah, he's like, fun. He potentially is one of my favorite actors. Because I, I can't think of a movie that I've seen him in where I haven't enjoyed. Even if I didn't enjoy the rest of the movie, I've always enjoyed his part. Yeah, he's pretty awesome. Oh. And so we get we kind of get a sense pretty quickly. Major moment number two. I'm calling this the peanut butter super chunk emergency. We get a pretty a pretty good sense of what's going on here when Benny gets a call at work and it is June saying that there's an emergency. They are out of peanut butter super chunk. And he has to kind of rush home. And do we also get to see where the, uh, the housekeeper decides to quit because June is, is putting up a bit of a fuss. And we learn also that this is not the first housekeeper that they have gone through, that they have gone through several housekeepers. And uh, June is not, not a huge fan of the housekeepers up to this point. Mm-hmm. I feel like this housekeeper also uses a phrase that I feel like I, I want to use at some point, what does she say? She says, back in Ireland, we had a saying, when a boat has run aground, the sea has spoken. The sea has spoken, yes. No. I, it's I a feel, good line. I feel like I want to use that somewhere. I feel like there's it's a... It's pretty solid. There's going to be a good place where that fits at some point. Yes. And we get a sense of June's kind of quirky personality as they're going through, and he's listing off all the different housekeepers that have quit or, or run away screaming. I, I do like... How some of June's responses, I forget what the one lady's name was. It was like, it was like Mrs. Mrs. Pilf or Mrs. Pilch or something like that. And she just looks at him and goes, the answer is in the question. <laughs> That's another thing I like to say. I like to say to some people mm-hmm. during my day. Yeah. <laughs> when you ask a silly question. Mm-hmm. The answer is in the question. Major moment number three, a home for June. There is an implication that because of June's mental illness, which I don't believe is ever identified, but I think, no. you know, it, some, some things I've read have said like schizophrenia, OCD, that there could be a couple of different things going on. Yeah, I couldn't decide, and maybe you guys have more of an opinion about this. What I couldn't decide is, was it ambiguous on purpose in that they were, it was ambiguous on purpose. Were they trying to make a point about that, that things went undiagnosed and people didn't really pay attention to what it was? Were they trying to make a point saying that Benny didn't really care what it was? It was his sister and he was going to take care of her. Like, I felt like there was a point I'm saying, what do we think the point was? And and was the point inadvertent? Like, I, I, right. I almost think now we live in a time period when everything is, there's there's a thing for everything. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, and everything is. Indeed. Is very diagnosed and described. And here's the this and here's the that. And here's what, like, just using the catch-all of mentally ill I mean, even that just kind of felt, I, I I don't want to say I was using it to judge the movie, but even that just seemed to kind of date the movie. Mm-hmm. Do, do you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. I, I don't know that we use mentally ill anymore. Right. You know, like on a, so that's, 
and again, I'm saying this in a non-judgmental way, just observing that seemed to set the movie very strongly in the nineties, the early nineties at that. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know if they were making a statement over it other than it's just, that's kind of how they viewed such things back then. Well, maybe we still do now. I don't know. Well, and I think it seemed like part of the statement they might've been trying to make was that the situation that they had was not healthy for anybody. That mm-hmm. there needed to be a combination of June needed help in some way, but maybe it wasn't the kind of help that the hospital was designed to give, and maybe it wasn't the kind of help that her codependent older brother could give, but mm-hmm. something a little different. Because I think by the end of the movie, jumping ahead just a little bit, by the end of the movie, she does have more freedom and she has more autonomy but she still has kind of that support structure in place to be able to help her in case something were to happen. And then I think that allows, that allows her to feel more free and maybe less Mm -hmm. smothered. And it allows her to have the relationship with Sam. And it Mm -hmm. also allows Benny to possibly go have dinner with the attractive young lady that he gave a really good deal on the motor. Right. And I gotta be honest. I, I almost think that the trailer was a bit of a, at least for me, it was kind of a bit of a misdirect. I didn't almost see the love story as the main part. I yeah. almost saw it as the relationship between the brother and sister. Right. Yeah, so I, I, I don't know. Yeah, because that's in the synopsis also kind of mentioned a tale of love that defies all odds. I mean, if you're talking about if you're talking about the love between a brother and a sister and him wanting to take care of her, sure. You know, I don't think... I don't think that it's necessarily a like romantic comedy. I don't know if I I don't know if I'd call it a romantic comedy. I guess maybe I would, but but not I, I don't think the main focus, like you're saying, is the love story between Sam and June. Right. That just right. happens that just that just happens to be a parallel story. Right. But interesting that they market it that way right. in the trailer. Right. Well, because you're, I'm, I'm sure you're probably going to get more people coming to the theater if they think that it's a quirky, funny, romantic comedy love story. Mm-hmm. Right. So, major moment of four: June wins a cousin in a card game. This is Sam, the cousin that nobody wants, and so they win him. So he's going to come live with them for a little bit, and that is where they start to initially you kind of get the sense that Benny wants to kind of use Sam as a way to watch over June. I mean, they both, Sam and June both seem a little quirky. So I think he probably figures, well, fine, we'll stick both of them together. And Sam seems like he's a put together kind of guy, even if he's a little weird. So Mm -hmm. I'll have him watch June and, and I pretty quickly find out that he's not even really all that great at, you know, necessarily being a, housekeeper for June, but they start mm-hmm. to kind of develop their friendship a little bit. And, you know, I think she, he finds someone who's a little bit more of a free spirit and that allows her to, to express her creativity as well and find someone who she can have a conversation with. When I, I think the, the brother, I think Benny kind of feels like maybe it, it cuts him a little bit of a break here and there until he realizes that, well, they, they both have got some strange stuff going on. So yeah, maybe this is not, this is not the great arrangement I thought it was going to be. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. And then we introduce the uh, one of the other major characters in this when we get to a scene in the diner, when we got that scene where he's making the breadsticks dance. And at the scene in the diner, we get introduced to Ruthie, the waitress at the diner, played by Julianne Moore. And I'm calling this scene, this one I'm calling Prom Queen Mutilator because we find out that Sam is a big fan of movies. And he immediately identifies her as being an actress from a B-horror movie called The Prom Queen Mutilator. And he goes on to, like, quote the entire scene that she's in in the movie. Mm-hmm. And it was kind of a fun little bit. And, mm-hmm. then, and then I think not too, not too long after that, they're actually all sitting around watching the movie together. Yes. Yeah. Very quickly, Sam and June start to fall in love. And then they, whether it's a mistake or not, they decide to tell Benny that they have fallen in love. And he doesn't really take that so well. Mm-hmm. So he tries to kick Sam out of the house. Ultimately, after a few other few other events and mishaps, Sam and June try to run away. And so they hop on the bus and they are headed on their way out of town. The The idea being they're just, just going to run off and stay with each other because they love each other. But Sam just doesn't quite have a sense of exactly how affected she's going to be by some of the the situations and the the sounds and the environments and and so uh, they end up having to come apprehend her on the bus and they end up taking her to the hospital where when Benny shows up he's basically told look you don't have a choice now she basically needs to be in the hospital like she needs to be and she's kind of given up too she's like no I don't want to see anybody I, I don't want to go anywhere I'm I'm here now and so Benny and Sam kind of concoct this plan where they're going to break in and talk to her and they do have a conversation and, and basically Benny and June come to the realization that the hospital is not the right place for her, but living with Benny is also not the right place for her. And so they come up with a solution that there is a, I think it's a, an apartment in, did they say it was in Ruthie's apartment building? Yeah. Because when they show up at the end, like he's going in to see them and it feels like the same building, right? Yeah. 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 So that is the solution and final major moment I'm calling here I go again on my own. And it is that June now has her own apartment and she's got Sam with her and it I think everybody's life is is going to be able to get back to or get to quote unquote normal, whatever that is. Mm-hmm. And that is and then we roll credits. All right. Is there anything I missed? Any other major moments I missed? Anything I should have pointed out but didn't? Sounded pretty good to me. All right. All right. Now it's time for Deep Thoughts. And now, Deep Thoughts. I have an opinion on this matter. Don't mince words, Bones. What do you really think? I like it a lot. Wow. It's very deep. Thank you. All right. So just in general, starting off with this one, when was the first time you saw this movie? And just, we'll we'll just, we'll start off with this. Do you like this movie? First time I saw it was this weekend. I had never seen this one before. Oh, really? Okay. Um, Even though the more I read about it, I hear that it's on some lists of movies everyone should see and all that stuff. Kind of slipped through the cracks for me. It's not really my wheelhouse style of movie. Yeah. I think is why. But I liked it. It was fun. Yeah. 
Sorry, man, I didn't mean to cut across you. But, ah, you're uh, good. Yeah, go, go nuts. Almost, um, almost the same answers as both. First time was just recently, and yeah, it really obviously heretofore it would not have fallen in in my list of oh yeah, I really want to see like this kind of movie. But glad I saw it. It was like it was a fun movie, great story, well acted, and like I, I mentioned before, I think, I think, I, I don't think the way they sold it in the trailer was totally accurate to what the movie is, but I thought it was a really good movie. Yeah. Yeah, as I mentioned before, I'm, we've seen this movie several times. It's been a little while since I've seen it. I think my wife and daughter, though, watched it just a few weeks ago. And mm-hmm. so we've seen this several times. I, the first time I saw it was mid-90s, probably when my wife and I started dating, and have seen it several times since then, but I know that this is one of one of her favorite movies. So we have seen it quite a few times. And yeah, I, I enjoy this one, my guy, between the, between the soundtrack and this one being the movie that put the, the proclaimers on the map, at least for American listening audiences. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, no, I really enjoy this movie and, and enjoy Johnny Depp's part of it, part in it. And just the, the very quirky sense of humor and so many of the conversations that they have just, it's I just, just funny. It, those those raisins you see on TV, the ones that sing and dance, they scare me. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, the California raisins are a little creepy when you think about it. No. So. Let me yeah, ask you. Especially back then, because those were the, that was when they had those. I don't know if it was stop motion, but that's when they had the California raisin commercials where they were. You know what I'm saying? They were, didn't they use stop motion on that for a yeah, while? Yeah, it was like a like the claymation kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So let me ask you this, because we kind of started to talk about this, and it is kind of the major theme of the movie, even though this is, they kind of advertise it as a love story. It's not really, I, I would argue it's not really a love story. Mm-hmm. It's more a story about, I feel like it's more a story about maybe feeling responsibility to take care of someone. And you kind of, I think, Pat, you kind of started to bring it up. We've talked about this with a few other movies that we've done so far over the years. You know, movies that deal with, you know, different types of, you know, mental illness or or whatever term we want to use. But, I mean, we've talked about, you know, what have we done? So far we've done, like, Fatal Attraction. We've done Rain Man. We've done Misery. We've done Jacob's Ladder. We've done, what else? Trying to think of other 80s movies. The one that I think got us talking about this the most was that movie, The Dream Team. Mm, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And like when you have a movie that deals with this topic, is the movie making fun of it or is the movie bringing attention to it in a meaningful way? And I, I feel like we kind of felt, we, we I felt like, and I'm trying to remember from The Dream Team because that was, what, like three years ago now? Yeah, longer ago than I realized, that's for sure. 89, so it would have been 2019 when we did that one. I feel like with the Dream Team, we kind of landed on that in some ways the movie was giving the the subject its due diligence, but in other ways it was kind of making fun of mental illness. This one, I don't don't feel like that's the case. Like, I feel like this one is, is... putting a, a human face on the challenges of both. I, I thought it did a good job of balancing 
what June is dealing with, but also with the people who are trying to care for her are also dealing with. And I thought it did it in a way that didn't use it as the butt of a joke. Yeah, I agree with that. You could, you could probably argue that there are a few times where it's, it's kind of some of her quirky responses and behaviors, you know, could be used as the butt of a joke. But I feel like for the most part, if I was going to give it a percentage, maybe 90% of the movie, maybe a little bit more, felt like it was treating it respectfully, if that's the right way to say it. Yeah. Yeah, because I, I just I I want to be cognizant of that because when we started you know, we started down that path talking, especially when we had our like, Dream Team episode. It just seems like um, if we would be watching that movie, it, if we were watching that movie today, if that movie was made today, I feel like you would have a lot more details of whatever her particular need was. Yeah. You'd have a lot more details about it. Oh, you know what I'm saying? Like, like this is, and that's where it's hard to put your finger on it. This just seems like we're using the, and, and again, I use the term, they, they would describe it as mental illness. And I feel like we don't even use that to describe things like that anymore. And it wasn't even so much that, that, that was the, that that was the focus. It was like, that was, that was, that was just, that was the means to an ends, right? Like the ends was, how a brother and sister could relate and, you know, like you said earlier, doing what's best, you know, how do you give up? Are you holding on too tight? You know, all those things that the story kind of spelled out. And I, I think the only thing that I got a little bit like, okay, where are they going with this is if they kind of spell it out, like everything is solved. If you just like, you know, everything is solved. If you just like let someone be who they are, you know, and give them a little bit of freedom and all will be good. And it's like, whenever you're dealing with, with, with something like that, it's always a process. It's never like, oh, okay, we turned the corner and everything is good now. And I, and I was a little bit worried that that was going to seemingly be the message to the movie, but I, I, I don't think it was. And especially cause they, the way they ended with that, that montage scene where, where the Johnny Depp character and her, they, they showed them interacting I think the I think it ended in a pretty respectful manner too, with the idea that okay, it's just a process, and you know I don't feel like this is an ending. Like the movie, the end of the movie seems to be like more like a beginning, and sure. so I was okay with that. But again, I I, I think it's treatment of I keep saying it with it with treatment of mental illness that almost seems just to be more of a of a of a vehicle as opposed to like the the goal of the movie itself. If you catch my meaning. Yeah. Yeah. Is there anything, so in in terms of other parts of the movie, whether it's a performance, whether it's some, some of the jokes or anything like that, or, you know, how, how some of the subject matter was handled, what worked particularly well for you guys? Having not seen this movie before, I'm not going to ask you what was memorable about it from the first time you saw it until now, but what is it that worked for you when you were watching this movie? So it, it sounds like we liked it, even if it's not, Bo, like you said, it's not your normal type of movie you'd go for. What were some of the things that worked for you in this movie? Well, Johnny Depp was able to sort of play and have fun, and I think he did a good job with that. I mean, his his Buster Keaton-esque stuff was fun for sure. Yeah. Definitely that. I think the way he and Mary Stuart Masterson played with each other and, and played off of each other was really good. Mm-hmm. I think it was the 
the the the the, the, the guest <laughs> wrong word the supporting cast was really good too i mean you mentioned oliver yeah. platt like okay cch pounder like they brought a lot of weight to those parts that weren't huge but were important you know mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, I agree with that. Especially <clears throat> there, there was I, I I don't know. I'm going to say basically, in other words, what Bo just said. There was a lot of depth to all the characters, right? Like they were all very well played. The the doctor or the therapist or the counselor, whoever that was, you know, the lady that was kind of had to pass the final judgment at the end. There, mm-hmm. she did a really great job. The which I would like to look her up because I almost think that that was like. I think I have seen her before. And oh, I yeah, she's seen, in like, many, many, many things. In a very similar role to this almost is what I think. You know what I'm saying? Like, And maybe I could be way wrong, but I feel like I have seen this character before, which is meant to be a compliment. The His buddies, right? That was like that, that group really gelled together. You know what I'm saying? Like the card games, the times that they were all laughing and joking and all that. And then there were times that they were at each other, the times that they were working to get like, it really, it just seemed well developed. It was very believable that they were all friends, Yeah, you know, that sometimes got on each other's nerves and okay, why are we gambling? You don't gamble human beings. You know what I mean? It's <laughs> like, I thought that part of the movie worked, worked really, really well. The acting performances, I guess you just sum that up. I mean, it was just, they just did a really good job with it. Yeah. Yeah, like I said, I I always enjoy Oliver Platt. I think he's a great character. Any movie that he's ever in, Mm -hmm. I always enjoy him. The Three Musketeers movie, is he's great in that one. I think he plays Porthos in that one. Mm -hmm. Bicentennial Man. In that one, I, I love him in that movie. In this one, he's hilarious. Just some of his little asides that he does, you know, he's, he's very good at just being in the background and just being like, it's, nope, nope, that's a bad idea, bad idea. Just, just some of his, like, facial expressions. And and now I just I always enjoy him in whatever movie he's in. But, yeah, I would agree. Like, the acting performances, there is not. I don't feel like there's anybody that lets any part of this movie down. Mm-hmm. I think you get strong performances from every single member of the cast, from the the supporting cast to the main cast, and I think they just do a really nice job of of having the whole thing gel together really well. Yes, yes, agreed. And it is it is kind of a quirky, offbeat movie. I mean, it's not like we've kind of said it's it's not really like a straight up romantic comedy. It's not really like a drama. Mm-hmm. And I think I think some of that is due to you know. Mary Stuart Masterson and, and Johnny Depp's, you know, their performances in particular. And I, I love all of mm-hmm. his scenes. Anytime that he's doing any of his Buster Keaton type stuff, when he's juggling the plates, you know, after he catches the tray that the, the waitress drops because he knocked her in the head with a, a piece of bread. Mm-hmm. And then he goes, slides and catches the tray. And then he's delivering the plates. And then he's juggling the plates between the two patrons that are there. And any of the stuff that he's doing when he's doing his different, like, Buster Keaton routines are just... Just awesome. Yeah. Yeah. That stuff is really, that stuff is really good. And again, like I was kind of waiting for them. I was like, okay, like the, the physical comedy is this, you know, I went back and watched it a couple of times. Like, okay, is this getting to the point where it's like not believable? Like, are we getting a little bit into the, you know, no, no, they're really not like, okay. So the guy hit someone in the head with it. It's not, 
they don't go over the top with anything. Yeah. And I think that's what maintains it is, you know, a fun movie. I, I don't know. I struggle with, and maybe I just don't know what comedy is, but I struggle with comedy just because a movie has funny bits. Like it doesn't necessarily have to be a comedy. And I, I didn't pick up like comedic vibes in this movie. Yeah. You know, like I said, there were some lighthearted moments. There were some, some funny moments, but it wasn't from the idea of a comedic standpoint. It was just kind of like, just like in tombstone, that's life, Wyatt. You know, I mean, it's kind of like, that's mm-hmm. just, that's, that's, that's just kind of what it was about. And I liked it. Like it, it just was a, was just a real nice story. Yeah. Is there anything about this movie that did not work for you? I only kind of mentioned I only mentioned it before and it wasn't that it didn't work. I was just afraid that we were going to get to the point that it didn't work. And that was when talking about mental health, are we, I'm like, I hope we don't spell it out as, Hey, just find the magic. Someone find the magic apartment and suddenly everything's going to just be okay. And I was like, shoot, are we going to kind of play it out like that? And I really don't think they did because but like I said, I'm just, I'm restating what I said before, but it just, the way it ended that last little music montage and, and what they were doing, it seemed in my mind to say more like, okay, this is, this is just the beginning of the road, right? Like they're still going to have struggles and have to put stuff together, but everyone's in the best position to win. So I think, or succeed wins a long word, yeah. but it, it didn't quite, it didn't quite go that way. It wasn't like they got on the bus and, Oh, suddenly everything's okay. You know, it was like, oh no, like it could really take a turn. So, right. you know, we this is something that we have to to work through. It's it's not going to be like some magic combination we ride off into the sunset. So I was that was the only thing that I was a little bit concerned about. Yet, but like I said, it, I thought it was a really beautiful ending. What about Bo? Is anything about this one that wasn't working for you? You know, it's funny. I was thinking about it. I was talking to some people today and for me, I was worried about the relationship between the two of them, with Johnny Depp, Sam and June. Yeah. Just because it, I don't know how to say this. Like, I was worried that, and, and this could just be like modern, it's it's one of those modern sensibility issues, right? Like, she's mentally ill. Is what's happening with them okay? Mm-hmm. Like, I, I, I just, I don't know. There was a moment and I was like, huh. And then it didn't bother me, but I felt like maybe it should. It was an it was an odd moment for me. I wasn't really sure how to feel about some of it. Did you feel like Sam was you taking mean, advantage of her? Maybe. Okay. But then it didn't turn out that way. But as it was starting, I was like, okay, this is a little interesting. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. That's interesting. I I wouldn't have looked at it that way. Like I said, in the end, I think it turned out okay. But as it was happening, yeah. I was like, hmm. And I started to look through that lens of, does this movie get made this way today? 
And I know it's a piece of art. It, it's a product of its time. I'm the first to say that 90% of the time. It was just an interesting moment for me. Mm-hmm. And I just wasn't sure for a minute. I'm glad what would not have worked. I, I think most things work for me in this movie. What would not have worked for me is if they had gone with, and I don't remember if it was like just in an early draft or if it was a, if they deleted the scene or, or whatever. I believe in an early draft of this, when she and Sam leave the house, she had, she had set, I think it was a photograph on fire. And in an early draft of the movie, she actually burns the house down. Yeah, I read that. I was like, ooh, that's a dark turn. Like, like that would have already, I mean, you, you get the scene where they're on the bus and you see her really start to kind of get affected by what's going on around her and the fact that she's leaving home and and probably the stress of all of this is just is finally causing her to, to have an episode. I think that's about as intense as you want this movie to get. Like it still gives you the reality of what's going on with her and, and how she does need support. You know, she maybe she can't make it on her own, but she can make it with a certain degree of autonomy as long as she has her the right supports in place. And I think that when you see that on the bus and you see that's kind of a it's really an affecting scene when Sam, he feels like I love her and that, and that should be enough. Right. And it's really not because he's like trying to calm her down and it's not working and. And you see it, it kind of is, it's almost heartbreaking for him too, that he realizes this is way beyond my control. I can't, mm-hmm. I can't just because I love her, I, I can't get her to calm down, which is kind of the reality of the situation. And mm-hmm. I think if you had coupled that scene, to me, that's one of the, the most powerful scenes in the movie that really kind of get at the subject of the movie. If you had also had her burn the house down, I think that would have been too much. That would have crossed over into the whole, okay, we're not from a competing standpoint, but we're just kind of using this for like shock value. We're in like a tragic drama now. Yeah, exactly. You know, just like, yeah, exactly. That, that would have just gone over the top. Yeah. 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 And I think the way you describe that scene is exactly what made this movie work for me is that they did show that like, it's, this isn't just a matter of just like, her brother isn't going to be able to always be there to take care of her. Right. And it's affecting his life. And she said at the end, you're, I think I forget exactly how she said it, but she established that like, you never approve of me. You never let, you know, that's the flip side too, is that someone doesn't always want to be, she doesn't always want to be quote unquote taken care of. Right. Like I said, I forget how she phrased it but you know, you're always trying to fix me or you're always trying to this, you're trying to that. There's, there's like a lot of resentment there. And I think that that's what worked is that it, it just showed that, okay, we're, we're kind of dealing with mental health is more than just, Oh, well, all you need is love and everything is okay. Or all you need is a reframe and, and life is, is good. Right. And I think this showed this movie, I don't know if they quite showed, well, yeah, I guess they showed it showed that that's the case like okay it's it's gonna take a brother's love and you know having someone that loves you and like the johnny Depp character that's what's gonna achieve success yeah 
The only other thing I can think of that did not work for me is the complete and utter misuse of a perfectly good box of peanut butter crunch. <laughs> I mean, that's the crime. That's the true, true crime. You want to and, talk and about? I thought you the, were just gonna say the Jack in the Box scared you or something. No, no, no. I'm fine with that. But I mean, just the you, you have some perfectly good Captain Crunch peanut butter crunch, mm-hmm. and then you throw that and milk in a blender. You blend mm-hmm. it up and then try to drink it. Mm-hmm. Just I. That probably is the only thing in the movie that does not work for me. Is it's a choice. <laughs> yeah, it's apparently uh, not one you would make. You as know. I, as I am fond of saying, everyone has the right to be wrong. But you know, <laughs> no, that's about the only thing that doesn't work for me is the blending of the peanut butter crunch. Just eat it the way God intended, and we'll all be fine. <laughs> so. One of the other things that, that does work very well for me is just some of the little one-liners and some of the different little little quotes in this movie, and I was I was pulling them up on IMDb just to just to throw out a few of them. When June says, You can't throw him out, I won him. <laughs> um, you know, or you have the other ones, and, and typically a lot of these one-liners are coming from June. You know, some cultures are defined by their relationship to cheese. Having a Boo Radley moment, are we? That was, that one, that was a good one. Yeah. Have we an internal sequin issue to deal with, Benjamin? Well, that one I forgot. Where was, what was the? Oh, he was, there was a while they were playing the card game and he's trying to get her to stop playing. Um... And he like, he says something, I forget what it is that he says, but he's like trying to give her almost kind of like a, a subliminal signal. And she's like, have we an internal sequin issue to deal with, Benjamin? <laughs> yeah. Um, if I had to vote on the worst prize in a card game, it would be the soap on a rope slightly used. Yeah. That was an interesting card game they played, coupon poker. Uh-huh. Salad shooter. That was <laughs> the best. <laughs> I was I was attempting to decipher how they were placing value on the coupons. Yeah. I probably spent more time on that than I should have. Yeah. Cuz I think the amount of time you were meant to spend on it was zero. But I couldn't help myself, you know. It's one of the cra- one of the great movie card game mysteries. I don't know how to play the card game they're playing with the betting structure, mm-hmm. but and I also don't understand how you really play Sabak. Yeah. I mean, I know there's the idiots array and I know there's all that. I know intellectually what those things are, but I'm not sure I 100% mm-hmm. understand how to play the game. I would agree. But that is a problem. They have not made that. And if you cross the two over, I think the salad shooter shot first. Well, exactly. Yeah. Like, dude, okay, it's funny because okay, with all the things that are fleshed out in the Star Wars universe, one would think that perhaps that would be so. Well, you can you can buy a deck of Sabacc cards, so I would assume it maybe comes with a list of instructions. Oh, I wasn't aware of this. Yeah. That's nice. I Every once in a while when I get, like, an Amazon gift card, I look around for things. I'm like, I don't really need hmm. a whole lot, but what can I, what could I get that I wouldn't normally buy for myself? And every once in a while I'll look and be like, 
Oh. Well, they have a Sabak deck. Am I nerdy enough to buy that? Yes. Yes. As, as, as I lean one way or the other to show, for those that can see behind me, <laughs> I have two models of the Enterprise, a couple of Xenomorphs, a Rocketeer helmet. Mm-hmm. The, what, was the, what was the quote? The answer is in the question. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The only problem with the deck, the Sabak deck, is you'd have to teach someone else to play with you because I don't think that's a play-by-yourself type of game. No. And, and in my house, if a, if a board game or card game starts with the word Star Wars, other people tend to shy away. Oh, I bet you could convince one of them to play. Oh, we do Star Wars Monopoly sometimes. Oh, there you go. There you go. Well, they're certainly not going to play Star Wars trivia with you. We've tried. But there has to be I'm severe. I'm still suffering from PTSD on that one. There has to be severe handicapping. You that don't was the scene. That was the scene right there. You guys were talking about people shying away from games. That was the scene right there that made it when they're playing and he's like, are you bluffing? Yeah. <laughs> All right. When he plays them anyway, and he's like, I thought he was bluffing. You idiot. He was bluffing about bluffing. I mean, that just seemed like a very, I don't know how you make movies, but I mean, like they put them in the room and said, just had them play cards for like 10 hours. Yeah. Right. Until yeah. like, it just, it just seemed very, a very lived in scene. I, that was, that was a great scene. Just, that just really worked for me. Just roll tape and keep it rolling. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Figure it out in post. Yeah. All right. We have anything else before we jump into three questions? Nothing from that. All right. Well, as, as June would say, there are three questions. Do not underestimate the mentally ill. We can count. <laughs> three questions. He asks each traveler five questions. Three questions. Three questions. It's impossible to answer. Impossible because you don't know the answer. Nobody could answer that question. I want to ask you a bunch of questions. I want to have them answered immediately. What you just said is one of the most insanely idiotic things I have ever heard. At no point in your rambling, incoherent response were you even close to anything that could be considered a rational thought. Everyone in this room is now dumber for having listened to it. I award you no points, and may God have mercy on your soul. All right, question number one. What is your favorite Johnny Depp role? Bonus points if you tell me that it's the role that he made dance in this movie. <laughs> the role that he made famous movie. What the heck? No, the role that he made dance in this movie. Oh, okay. When he made the roles dance, role spelled R O L L. I I got. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm 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 going a little slow tonight. That's okay. That's okay. I'll get there. We don't have a here. Hold on. I, we have a. You've been Pat splained. Do we have a? You've been John splained. Might have to make You've fun. been Pat-splained. I thought it was going to be. I'm going to have to fix that so it's you've been John-splained. I thought it was going to be Pat has been confused by your question. Oh, there you go. <laughs> Gosh, this is tough. John had to explain think- his pun. <laughs> I've been thinking about it since you sent the text earlier with the questions in it, and... Yeah. Do you I'm, go for like with Johnny Depp? It's so hard. Like, do you go for the role that he like nailed, or do you go for the role that let him be 
Johnny Depp as we think of Johnny Depp. I mean, obviously there's pirates going, up here, but I'm just going to shoot. I'm just, yeah, I'm ahead. shooting from the hip. I'm just going to say Captain Jack Sparrow and then like spend the yeah. next five minutes letting you guys talk and go, oh, yeah, you're right. It should have been that. Yeah. Oh, no, yeah, I mean, you're right. I, I feel like you guys would have hated me. I was originally going to word this question. Favorite Johnny Depp role that is not Captain Jack Sparrow. Okay. <laughs> I can see that and, being because that is that is the quintessential Johnny Depp, of course. Right. Yeah. Right. But I mean, yeah. oh, gosh. His Willy Wonka, while not the Willy Wonka we grew up with, is a tour de force of weird. I have not seen any of those. Oh, it's weird. But in a good way, like, it got a lot of crap. Yeah. I enjoyed it for what it was. It almost would have been better if they had found a way to not make that be Alice in Wonderland. Okay. But let him play that guy. Yeah. Because I think the attachment people have to Alice in Wonderland made that harder for people to like. Okay. But as a, as a role and as a, as a, as a, as acting, I thought he was amazing, but I would say that about him a lot, you know? Yeah. Mm -hmm. I don't want to name any others until John says his, but So mine and yeah, there were, there were a few others that I was looking over. I was like, all right, there's fear and loathing in Las Vegas. There's, I did enjoy the movie. I don't know if too many other people enjoyed it. I enjoyed the movie secret window. There's a couple of his other ones that are kind of like, Oh, what were they? It was like the ninth gate and the secret window. They were kind of like, almost like the horror thriller Mm-hmm. kind of movies. I did enjoy some of those. I think the two that I'm going to narrow it down to. See, I uh, Donnie Brasco, I like him in that one. That's yeah. Yeah, I I I've narrowed it down to 3 and for very different reasons. I like him in Donnie Brasco. In Ed Wood, he is just off the wall crazy as Ed Wood. I think I'm going to give it to just because he couldn't he didn't do much with his voice but and his even his facial expressions were still pretty stoic. I think I got to go with Edward Scissorhands. Yeah. Cuz he kind of had to do he had to do a lot physically in that movie mm-hmm. without talking much and without even emoting much, I might have to say if it wasn't, if it wasn't this movie or Donnie Brasco or Ed Wood, I think, I think I got to go Edward Scissorhands might be my favorite. What did you think about his Dillinger? You know what? I never saw uh, that. One. I was, oh, okay. I was, I was going to say that too. Yeah. Because too. there's one where he was playing a real person. Yeah. Which, as Johnny that, Depp goes, what was that's that a totally was that, different deal. What was that movie called? Just Dillinger, wasn't it? Oh, was it? Hold on, now I gotta confirm. That's what it is in my head. That doesn't. Okay. No, sorry, Public Enemies. Public Enemies. Okay. Public Enemies. I don't. Yeah, I don't think I ever saw that one. It was. I enjoyed it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But it was, and it, it's an interesting Johnny Depp because it is him having to play a real person who's yeah. not not that, and not that I'm saying, Dillinger was a perfectly normal person, yeah. but compared to 
other Johnny Depp roles, I think he could qualify as normal. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, Did you guys mention Finding uh, Finding Neverland? No, that would have been on my list no, too. But but that's good. Yeah. That's another he's, one where he's playing. He's playing like normal ish. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, he's had a very interesting career. Like you scroll through, mm-hmm. what's the other one I just saw that I was like, oh yeah, I forgot about that. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. It's Sleepy Hollow, his yeah. Ichabod Crane. Like he's the perfect Ichabod Crane. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he really helps bring all that to life, and and yeah, great actor. Don Juan DeMarco. What's eating Gilbert Grape? Blow. He was good in that one. Yeah. Chocolat. He was good in that one. I mean, <laughs> then you look at some of his original stuff. Like you forget that he was on the original Twenty One Jump Street. Right. Or I do mm-hmm. anyway. Yeah. <laughs> like that cracks mm-hmm. me up. Oh yeah. Well, and I could have gone all the way back to Nightmare on Elm Street, his first one. <laughs> well, that's. <laughs> I'm not going to say that was his best work, no. but. Yeah, it's hard. To, it's hard to pick. Like I said, I'm gonna gut reaction go Jack Sparrow. Yeah, and then spend the next five minutes going, "Oh, yeah, that's right. Oh, right. yeah, that's right." Yeah, you know. All right. Question number two, and I, I did for dinner tonight. I did serve this. So my question for you is: What is the secret to the perfect grilled cheese sandwich? Mm. I, however, when I made the the grilled cheese sandwiches tonight, I did not use an iron. I used neither the wool nor rayon setting. Mm. But what is the secret to the perfect grilled cheese sandwich? I think good bread. Okay. That's now, it right there. What, good bread. what type of bread do you go for? It's got to be a thicker bread to like soak up some of the cheese. I also like stuff on my grilled cheese sandwiches. Okay. Do you go? So, at, I, so I like a good thick bread that doesn't fall apart on you. Okay. You know, do you do it? Do you do like a sourdough? Yeah. Oh yeah. A nice thick sourdough would be good. Really anything thick because like I said, I like to put a lot of stuff on it. I don't want it to fall apart. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I really hate it when my burritos or anything like that falls apart. Yeah. I think I've I like said the- this before on this podcast, but five guys. They will mm. let you put any of that stuff that they have on a grilled cheese sandwich. Oh. Like you can go absolutely insane with it. And I've done so. Oh, okay. And yeah, the, it can't fall apart. So I, as much as cheese is important and I do, I do like one with some higher level cheese. We talk about that too, mm-hmm. but I think the bread is critical. Yeah. The bread too is it, 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 like, it, I like it like almost crunchy. Like if you can mm. really toast it up on the outside Mm-hmm. But then have the interior of the bread still soft. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, like uh, I'm drawing a complete blank. Like, like a focaccia bread. Oh yeah. Oh, you know oh yeah. I'm, there you go. Like that would be really good. Or yeah, here I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna go all the, the Italian like the ciabatta bread, right? Something that you can toast up so that it's like having like bread slices, not not as yeah, which is kind of the traditional grilled cheese. But yeah, you're right. Oh, I totally agree. The bread is the bread is key. So my lovely wife, and that is how we prepared the sandwiches tonight. Her favorite is to include a strip of bacon 
in the oh, in the interior yeah. of the grilled cheese. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Give me bacon, tomato, mm-hmm. mushrooms. Mushrooms are good. We did so the grilled cheese we had tonight. They were they were grilled cheese, which just like straight up American cheese, American cheese slices, and a little bit of bacon, and we had some tomato soup to go with it. Very yeah. nice. Fairly. Yeah, the tomato Classic soup and I don't get along. No, not a fan. No, never have been. Okay. My dad growing up, grilled cheese and tomato soup, man. Yeah. Loved it. Grilled cheese, good. Tomato soup. Eh. Okay. I can take that or leave it. I like when, I, when know, I do a grilled cheese, I like to do I like to do a, a couple different kinds of cheese. Yeah, that's like, fun. Like, right? I like to mix a maybe like a Swiss with a cheddar. Mm-hmm. Get a little color in there too. Yeah. It's nice. Not that it's a true grilled cheese, obviously, but what I've taken to doing because let's be honest, what is a quesadilla but a grilled cheese? On a tortilla. That's that's what the kids mm-hmm. used to refer to it as, is a Mexican grilled cheese. There you go. Mm-hmm. I do love me a quesadilla, so when we do tacos at home, I, I go a little the extra mile and melt my cheese. Yes. Because it just makes it that much better. Because mm-hmm. melted cheese really makes anything better. It does, truly. Melted cheese on broccoli? I mean, come on. So I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to partially swim upstream. I... I have never been a super melty cheese, copious amounts of cheese kind of guy. You know what I'm saying? That's extraordinary. Um, what would you like to do next? <laughs> the next thing I'm going to do is say uh, very carefully, that's for me only. So, Bo, I can okay. totally understand, like, where you're coming from and how that taste appeals to you. I am not judging. I'm only speaking for me. I know that I know that some of our listeners, I've, I've caught wind that, some of our some of our friends on the Shirley podcast, which is an awesome podcast, please go check it out. Everybody that's listening to my voice right now, go check out the Shirley podcast. I guess I, I guess they took some issue with some of my food, food choices and all that. So I'm saying this very carefully. I am not. I am speaking only for myself, like each to their own. But Bo, well, I, I I don't go all the way with you, like a ton of melted cheese on things. I do go the same direction as you in terms of like loading the grilled cheese sandwich with as many different things as possible. You know what I'm saying? Like I totally, cause even growing up, I, as a kid, like I, I maybe had three quarters of a grilled cheese sandwich in my entire life, you know, like the old, like traditional, like grilled cheese sandwich. But yeah, like, as I found out, Oh, you can just put more things on them and all that. And you were, you were talking about quesadilla variant of the grilled cheese sandwich. I'll tell you my ideal is like a good bread, like you were talking about. And then like, slices of tomato, a little bit of, a little bit of basil, a little bit of Ooh, olive oil, and go. then the fresh mozzarella cheese <laughs> and not too much and not melted to the part where it's runny, but just right. a little bit just to make it soft. Like that's, that's the Pat favorite grilled cheese. Some would also call it a caprese sa- sandwich, you know, but, uh, but that's, that's like my ideal right there. Nice. But again, again, before I get myself in trouble, I'm just going to say that's only for Pat. I'm not judging anyone else. Like I don't yuck, I don't yuck yums in here. You know what I'm saying? Like it is, it is all good. And and I think the only umbrage that was taken was when you referred to tofu as food. <laughs> I think that was it. I think that was it. I, yeah. I there was a, there was a strong pointed reaction. You want to talk about that's extraordinary. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> That's right. Unfortunately, 
Unfortunately, he couldn't be here tonight, but our dear friend Jeff Mazuka talks about a food truck that comes around. And I don't know where the food trucks all go. Like people tell me of these places and then I go there. I don't know myself, but I remember there was a day, my gosh, was it before COVID? Maybe it was after that he was talking about a food truck. And there was this whole crew of people from school that were like, okay, it's our lunch break and we've got just enough time. It's in the such and such parking lot. We're going to get there. And it's like, the melted cheese food truck or yeah. the something. Oh, toasty cheese. Toasty cheese. Yeah. And, and uh, like, <laughs> okay. Okay. So, so I think we've, I think Bo, you accurately, I think you accurately summed up Jeff's opinions on the toasty cheese food truck. So, yeah, I, I just want to make sure I put that out there too because Jeff was always talking about those. I think it's toasty. It's either toasty cheese or five guys or both. They've got one that they put just a little hot sauce on. Red hot, hot red oh, hot, hot sauce. sauce. Oh, dude. Little something, something. This is the way. The, this is the way. The Toasty Cheese Mobile Eatery. That's the one. Yeah. I think I remember because there was a like a, a couple towns over from where we worked. There's a town called Lincolnshire. And for those not from this area. And they had like an for the uninitiated. For the uninitiated, if you're not cool like us and, and live near the and northern suburbs, good of for you. Yeah, it's so cold. Please save us. There, there was a time, and I remember going out with them one time. I don't know that that's when the because t- I've never had the toasty cheese before, but I do remember toasty going out. Cheese, there, you just there was keep like saying a, it, it like salivates. There was a like in a corporate parking lot. There were a bunch of food trucks that would park there for like the, the lunch hours. And I remember going over there one time in the middle of the day and, and going over with them. And there was there was some good stuff over there. Mm-hmm. Yes. yes, I am. So I, I'm currently am making the mistake of looking at their website. You don't do that. I can. I, I don't know why. I don't know much. Don't do that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, the great Dane. <laughs> American and cheddar cheese with applewood smoked bacon on panini. Uh-huh. And they call it they call it the Great Dane. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Scott's south of the border, Chipotle chicken, cilantro, avocado, aioli. How do you say that? Aioli. Yep. I think aioli. Uh, pepper jack cheese, caramelized poblano peppers, mm. and caramelized onions on panini. <sighs> well, we've lost Bo. Yeah. And welcome to the 30-something food podcast. As we, I can, yeah. as always, when we devolve into the food podcast. This is meant for Pat, but I think I have to pay it, play it for Bo right now. Suddenly a grilled cheese sandwich zooms in and hits Bo in the face. Sorry, I fell down. <laughs> it's okay. So, so when does the to- sandwich? <laughs> when does toasty, the toasty cheese come back in our area? The toasty cheese makes me feel kind of funny. Funny. <laughs> <laughs> when does it come back? I I don't know. I don't know if they have a schedule or if you have to. There's an event section on their page. I think you can like hire them for an event or. Oh, yeah. You can do that. I don't know. Maybe we need to hire them sometime. We could we could have a, a podcast festival and hire the Toasty Cheese Truck. Toasty Cheese. Yeah. Toasty Cheese. 
<laughs> All right. Well, question now, number three. I think three. you're just toying with me, John. I might be. Question number three. If you were going to walk 500 miles, which direction would you walk and, and what would you likely end up seeing? Well, see, this is a loaded question on a day like today because the obvious answer on a day like today is south. For the love of God, south. Yes. <laughs> I don't care what I'm going to see. It'll be warmer. <laughs> when the high temperature was, what was it today, 10? Something like that. With and, a, and I know mm-hmm. it's only January. Right. If you're listening when this comes out, I guess February, January. I yeah. don't even know. Yeah. And it's probably going to get colder after we record this. In fact, oh, I think probably. I know it is. Yeah. But it, at some point, it's so cold, it doesn't matter how much colder it's getting. No. It's ridiculous. Yeah. So today I want to say south, but I think truly I would probably go east. Mm-hmm. Niagara Falls, something like that sounded pretty cool. That was probably going to be my choice was Niagara Falls, just because I haven't been there. Yeah. I've been, but I was knee-high to a grasshopper. Okay. And I remember very little from that trip. And oddly enough, of all the random things I remember, nothing about the falls. Like, yeah. I've been there, don't remember it. I remember being in Buffalo and all that other nonsense. No memory of the big tumbling water. It's kind of sad, actually. <laughs> but what you do remember is finding out that Clark Kent was Superman? Sure. Sure. Because he tripped over the pink yeah, yeah, I, rug. I, and I get it. Yeah. I just... Yeah. 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 Sure. Mm-hmm. I would probably pick Niagara Falls. Uh, my wife said that she would go north despite the raging temperature today because Canada. Really? We, we still would because like to go. Because yeah. Canada. All right. Yeah. We, we would like to visit Canada. Mm-hmm. There are certainly parts of Canada I would like to visit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, certainly parts of Canada I would like yeah. to visit. Patrick, did you give yours? Would I walk 500 miles? Yes for what whatever i end up seeing well which which direction would you walk i all of them oh anywhere it's just kind of the journey for me like i just go there's this there's this book about this it's crazy how i came about this there's a book called born to run yeah okay written by chris mcdougall amazing book love it like highly recommend it he wrote this other book that was called what was it natural born heroes and he got telling the story about Cretan resistance fighters during the second world war and how they basically tied up the entire Nazi army advance by like abducting like a high level general and then playing hide and go seek with the Nazis on Crete for the next, however long it is one of the most incredible stories. Like even if you pick up natural born heroes, you could probably read it like in a day especially the story about abducting general creep. And then I think I've saying the name correctly. Anyways, the story spins into the story spins into all these different characters these, that, that come together and just some of the things they do. And one of them is this guy that works for like whatever the British secret service MI six kind mm-hmm. of adjacent group during the second world war. And his name, I'm going to mispronounce it is Patrick Lee, Patrick Lee, Fairmore and he's Irish. And before he got tied up with the resistance in world war two on Crete, basically he left, he was in the England, maybe he was up in Ireland and he just walked across Europe. And like, there's books about his just, he just walked around and he did everything from like working in pubs and bars to hanging with royalty in Eastern Europe. 
I mean, it was like what, and he just walked Europe down, got all the way into Africa, walked around there. And it took him years and years and years. And then he ended up in Crete. The war started and he started working on, I mean, it was, it's like one of these, is this guy for real? This is amazing. So what are we talking about? Yeah, I would just do that. I would just walk in any direction. Now, Pat, you seem like you could do like the old school walkabout. Like you could just go. I could, I think so. Like, you know, yeah. But like I said, if you look up in, in, in what, like I said, there's so many books about it but it's natural born heroes. And then it spins off. And then every one of these main characters has a book, but the guy's name is Patrick Lee Fairmore. And he wrote like a travelogue of this. Right. And he he was just like, he's got, there's books just about his adventures, you know? Okay. So I like, what was the question again? So I guess I go North because Wisconsin, Minnesota, like you said, John, Canada, Mm -hmm. uh, we have family up in Minnesota and it would just be fun to connect the dots on foot. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. But then South would be cool. Cause I think one of the things on that, the, the links you sent out was 500 miles away was, was it the smoky, smoky mountain? Fo- yeah. Was it? Smoky yeah. Mountain. That was one of them. Yeah. The smoky mountains. That would be great. Niagara falls would be great. I didn't look what's 500 miles West again. Corn. <laughs> Pretty much. Yeah. I like corn. I yeah. think corn is one of my favorite foods, so I could go that way too. I mean, 500 I still miles. I don't know if I west, like corn that much. Yeah, 500 mm-hmm. miles west is like St. Joseph, Missouri. It's it's mm-hmm. almost to Kansas City. There's Sioux City, Iowa. There's Jackson, Minnesota. So not a not a ton. Yeah, see what there is to see. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Kansas City. Hey, man. You know what? AFC champions. That'd be cool. That's true. Yeah. Yeah, go right. cheer on Patrick Mahomes with his like you know high ankle sprain and still bringing it like go. exciting. Yeah. All now right. I'm exci- now I'm now I'm like excited to go walk somewhere. I might have to call in tomorrow. Something Bo and I have never said. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> I am super excited to walk. I did. I did quite a bit of walking when I was in New Orleans because our our the conference center was like a mile away ish from our hotel mm-hmm. and. And the walking was fine. I was totally fine. Actually, it was really, it was, it was nice to be able to walk a whole bunch of places. And it's, it's probably the most walking I've done in a long time. So I really enjoyed that part of it. The only part I did not enjoy is the person that I went with was noticeably taller than me and had, <laughs> and, and definitely had a longer stride than I do Ooh. and, and likes to walk fast. And so there were a few times where I just had to be like, Hey, Hey, little legs, slow down a little bit. Mm-hmm. Okay, pretend like you're walking with one of your kids, because that's about where I'm at. Right. But other than that, it was fine. I enjoy walking. <sighs> All right, well, that's going to do it for our three questions, and that's going to do it for this episode, Benny and June. We have been and will be, the we, we have been and always shall be your podcast. Your friend. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Your friends in podcasting. We are 30podcast.com. It's where you can find all of our past episodes and other fun stuff. At 30 Podcast on the socials. We've got new episodes coming up soon here in the month of February. We're almost done with the month of February here. We've got Carlito's Way is our last episode coming up next week. But our bonus episodes on Patreon, if you go over there, we have favorite love songs of the 80s and 90s. And then our Patreon shorts this month are Staying Alive from 1983 and The Dead Zone from 1983. And then if you're looking ahead to March, our Patreon episodes are Octopussy from 1983. 
Patreon shorts are Superman 3 from 83 and Shazam Fury of the Gods from this year. Our regular episodes for March are Cliffhanger. I think that month is is the theme is titled like One Bad Day or something like that. And mm-hmm. so the movies that month are Cliffhanger, Groundhog Day, True Romance, Falling Down, and The Fugitive. I didn't kill my wife. I don't care. I don't care. I actually use that quite a bit with a lot of kinds of a lot of different situations. Yeah, I do love that movie. Like, oh, I'm yeah. super excited for that movie. I used to watch that when I first saw that movie. I, that was one of those that I was like, that was really good. Let's watch it again right now. And I love like and, and U.S. Marshals is good. Like yeah. just the whole thing. Yeah. So good. Yeah. All right. Well, gents, thank you so much, as always, for being here. I love talking movies with you. Yeah, John, thank you. movies with you too, John. All right, everybody, come on back here next time. Again, next episode is Carlito's Way, starring Al Pacino. That is a fun one. If you haven't seen it, definitely go check it out before we talk about it next week. But otherwise, we will see you back here next week for that one. And as always, be excellent to each other. Go watch some good movies. See you back here next time.